The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. On Carnival Breeze this week on a 14-night Carnival Journey sailing, so unable to connect with Sherry Laskin for Cruise News, so we'll get back into things with her next week. However, we do have the Cruise Radio News podcast feed. That's separate from this one, but it's the daily Cruise Radio News Briefs. Hop on over there and listen. We'll link that up below as well. All right, straight to the interview with Ryan and Lauren of Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi, Doug. So uh, we're going to get right to this. And before we get to the ship itself, uh, we're going to do like we always do and take a step back here. So give us some pre-cruise thoughts. Why did you want to take this seven-night Eastern? Because you guys are up in what? Is it Pennsylvania? Yeah. So we've been cruising probably since about 2010. And this was more me than the rest of the gang, but they all kind of felt the same way toward the end. But after nine consecutive cruises with Carnival, we were starting to feel a little bit like we wanted to experience a different flavor and try another one of the lines out and see if, what their program offered. And, you know, is the food any different? What's the ships like? And, you know, just try something new. So we landed on Royal Caribbean and we were looking up the different ships and we wanted to try something sort of big, but we didn't quite make it to an Oasis class. So we found the Freedom of the Seas out of Fort Lauderdale, and between work schedules and everything lining up, there was eight of us in the family going, so that all worked for everybody, so that's the one we chose. So you made your way from Pennsylvania down to Port Everglades. How was your embarkation process? That had to be the smoothest embarkation we've ever experienced. We've now cruised out of Baltimore, Port Canaveral, and once out of Norfolk, Virginia, but... We literally got dropped off by the shuttle from the hotel around 11.15. I can pretty much tell you we were on Lido deck by 11.30. Yeah, we didn't stop or sit down or or anything. We just went straight onto the ship. Very cool. Now, with Royal Caribbean, I haven't cruised them. It's been about four years, I guess. No, three years. Can you walk right to your stateroom when you get on board, or do you have to wait for the rooms to get ready at a cert- or be ready at a certain time? No, that part's still like Carnival. Our room wasn't ready till about one thirty. And they make the announcement when they're ready? Not so much. You just kind of assume it and yeah. start walking down the hallway. Okay. So you make your way on board. Uh, you mentioned you were like on by 11.30. What were your first impressions? Because you guys have sailed Carnival for so long. Well, since, since you started cruising and switching over to Royal, what did you think of? Like, What were your first impressions? Because this is a pretty big ship. Yeah, it was the biggest ship we'd ever sailed on. You step onto the ship, you're on deck four, and you kind of walk into their large promenade area, which is three decks tall. And it sort of has that cross between a Main Street town road and shopping mall kind of area. 
we were, it was one of those things where your eyes are just darting from here to there to there and everywhere, taking it all in. For me, I was in love with the decor and everything because with Carnival, like I said, you have a lot of Vegas at sea kind of motifs on the older ships. They've only recently started going low key with the newer ships like Vista and such. So it was kind of cool to see how Royal Caribbean decorated their spaces and the tones and colors they used. It was, it was a lot more appealing to me. So I was excited. It was definitely a plus for me. Yeah, you don't have that atrium that you would normally have when you walk onto a carnival ship. So um, that's always a wow factor when you first walk on. But I really like the promenade area too. You know, the little shops and the small town kind of feel. Um, and our, our stateroom looked onto that promenade area. So that was um, a nice little feature as well. I remember the first time I walked on board one of those um, Freedom class ships, it was it was actually Freedom of the Seas in Port Canaveral back in 2010. And my mind was blown. Like I felt like I was in a legit shopping mall in Jacksonville, Florida, because it, it's like that yeah, promenade is yeah, it's so long and there's so many shops and bars and stores. It's just really it's so mind blowing. Um, so like you said, you or Lauren, like you just said, you overlooked the uh, your stateroom overlooked the promenade. So what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? So we had and it, it was classified as an interior stateroom, um, but it had a big picture window that looked onto the promenade area. Um, this was technically our first interior stateroom ever um, on our 10 or so cruises. We've always had balconies before. And although the room was really cool and it was cool looking down onto um, the promenade area from the room, we did miss having the balcony and being able to have daylight coming in, looking out onto the the ocean, having that connection um, with the ocean. So that was a little bit of a downfall, but you know it's something we wanted to try and just just see how it was. And and like I said, it was still a great room. It's just we decided you know we're balcony people. Yeah. From a price point, going from Carnival to Royal, how was that? That yeah, for, that was one of the reason we picked that room. We we wanted to try and see what it was like, but. For the same price, we probably could have got a balcony on a carnival ship. Gotcha. Okay. And as far as the like the space in the room for being on there for a week and putting all of your clothes up and outlets, was how was that? Um, we had the same amount of outlets as on most carnival ships. You know, you have the two electrical outlets so you can plug. Uh, we bring a surge bar so we can plug extra stuff in. Storage was about equivalent to what we'd had before. The room was probably a few square feet smaller than what we were used to, like on Carnival. And we'll probably keep comparing to Carnival because it's what the only other sure. thing we know. So I apologize to all your listeners. In the end, we did actually award the point back to Carnival because the rooms are a little bit bigger and we kind of like the layout a little bit better, especially in the bathroom. Carnival has bigger bathrooms and that's always great for my wife. The nice thing about the room we had was it had not only the couch, but it had like a window seat type couch area underneath um, the window that was, you know, looking out onto the promenade area. So that was extra seating space there. The one thing with space that we didn't like as much as the bed was more in the middle of a room and there wasn't a lot of walking space around the bed. So, you know, we're used to having the bed a little bit to one side of the room. So it was it felt a little smaller, I think, because of that. As far as dining goes on this ship, a lot of dining options. And, of course, you have the main dining room and the Windjammer buffet. So let's start at the Windjammer. How was that? 
The Windjammer is weird because a lot of times you're cruising, you're used to being able to go into the Lido deck 24-7 and always have access to something. This was the first time we'd ever experienced where they were closed certain times of the day or certain sides of it were closed during portions of the day. So it, it took a little getting used to. Food-wise, it was, you know, your, your standard buffet fare. Um, I do believe they did a little bit better in the gluten-free section for her. And I think she wants to say a little about that. Yeah, it was it was really nice to have a specific gluten-free section on the Windjammer buffet. Um, it wasn't huge, but it was, you know, much appreciated to know that that was like the safe zone that I could definitely eat and didn't have to think about it too much on what I could eat. And as Ryan mentioned, it was really weird. Like if you wanted a drink at, say, 9 p.m., you couldn't just go to the Windjammer and, and grab something. It was closed. And for that reason, I think on our next Royal Caribbean cruise, we almost feel like we need one of the drink packages, not the alcoholic, but just the lower level, just to be able to access their soda fountain machines that they have kind of throughout the ship. Are you saying that like if you went there at 9 p.m. for a, like a lemonade or an iced tea or like ice water, you couldn't get it? it the machine was shut down? Yeah, it was- you actually couldn't even walk in. Right. They close the doors and, and that's it. So if you're a carnival cruiser, you used to being able to walk up on Lido deck at any point, mm-hmm. 24 hours a day and grab grab something to drink. That was a little weird. Um, we did realize um, a few days in that you could go um, into Cafe Promenade or Sorrento's um, and just get water or hot, hot, yeah, hot coffee, that kind of stuff, some snacks. So that was sort of their alternative. So once you got used to that, that sort of helped a little bit. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about the main dining room. What time dining did you have? We had my time, anytime dining. And that worked really well for us. Um, We were typically six o'clock dining people, but it was nice because you would just go up to the dining room anytime you wanted to eat. Um, They had a couple staff members there who would tell you what table to go to. And we never had to wait at all for a table. Um, We always had the same waiter, which I think was mostly due to my dietary restrictions, Mm -hmm. but he was great. And we didn't have any issues with my meals or, or anything like that. If you're ordering from the from the gluten free menu, are you ordering your meal like the night before for the next night? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you order the night before, and they brought out everything that I ordered, and no issues. There was a few other people in our group that were doing low sodium and that type of thing too, and they followed the same procedures. And we had a really great experience. Our our waiter was was really attentive the whole time. We didn't feel like he was overworked or anything like that. With the amount of dining options on Freedom of the Seas, did you take advantage of any of the specialty restaurants? Oh yeah, we definitely did. We tried out the steakhouse. We tried out the Italian restaurant, and I believe. Was there another one? We we actually went to the steakhouse twice because we liked it so much. And then we had also Johnny Rockets. Right. Hmm. Okay. Did you do any dining packages or just kind of do those a la carte? No, we actually did because Royal Caribbean is really great with the pre-planning on the cruise. You can They run sales a lot on the dining packages. Um, we, I believe we picked the three-night dining package where you could go to each, they give you a certain amount for each of them. And we did, we started with the steakhouse and that was phenomenal. I think steak wise, meat wise, they're on par with carnival steakhouse, but I think where they kind of advance is their side dishes are 
amazing. I, we we actually asked for more side dishes a lot of the time um, because they were just so good. You had um, fries that had mushroom oil on them, truffle oil. Truffle oil. <laughs> you had uh, really great mashed potatoes and just just a lot of. It was very very good. So. The next night, we tried the Italian restaurant, and I think we either misunderstood or Royal misunderstands, but when you think of an Italian restaurant, we we think like pasta, spaghetti, lasagna, maybe chicken parm, stuff like that, and theirs felt more like an Italian steakhouse. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was more steak, and yeah. that's fine. But if I wanted more steak, I would have just gone to the steakhouse, which we did again the next night. <laughs> I sort of took that as the Italian restaurant as an opportunity to try some new stuff that I'd never tried before. I had octopus, which was really hmm. it was it was interesting. It wasn't wasn't too bad, but yeah, I I think it's more like traditional rustic Italian than we're used to as Americans. Mm-hmm. We eat pasta all the time and that type of thing. Yeah, um, it was good. We decided, you know, for our third dining option that we were going to go back to the steakhouse because we just thought it was phenomenal. And, and in fact, um, when we went back for our reservations for the second night at the steakhouse, the waiter we had gave us a discount, he gave us free bottle of wine. So it was it was really great that, you know, they were so accommodating and, and really wanted to see us come back. Yeah, for sure. Now, with Johnny Rockets, the fast food restaurant or the sit-down restaurant, on, well, it's it's a fast food sit-down restaurant pretty much. But like, how was that priced or was that part of your like your pre-planning? No, that we actually forgot was on board the ship until we were walking oh. around exploring. <laughs> it's a charge, but it's kind of a flat rate charge where you pay X amount of dollars and you can order whatever off the menu. I think uh, we paid seven or eight dollars and i got a a chili dog and a soda and i think our sister-in-law she got a cheeseburger and fries so it's really good food for a flat rate so it's but it is a it's a for fee and they have it set up like a 50s diner so it's kind of cool it's up on one of the higher decks so you can look out over the ocean it's kind of cool surprisingly some of our party actually like Johnny Rockets better than Guy's Burgers, which surprised me because I know that Guy's Burgers have that huge following. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. To me, it's all the same. Uh, what did you, did you guys have, did you have any thoughts on it? Or, well, I know you said you had a chili dog, but did you go back a second time for a burger? I I didn't just because after you eat one of those meals, you kind of want to run that down to the gym. Yeah. So that was the <laughs> only time I found myself in Johnny Rockets. Our brothers and sisters-in-law, they ventured back up there a second time later in the week and gorged themselves again. So they they got the seal of approval from them. Okay. I thought it was really good, but I didn't need to go more than once. All right. Fair enough. Let's talk about the entertainment on board this, uh, this seven-night cruise. So what did you guys think of the entertainment on board as far as like the production shows and the, the um, entertainment around the ship? So I think um, this would be one area where I would say Carnival might do the entertainment a little bit better. There didn't seem to be as many shows and comedy shows, that type of thing, as, you know, a seven-day Carnival cruise would have. And that, that was a little surprising. My um, stepmother and father like the comedy shows. And uh, on Carnival, you can get one of those just about every night of the week. Whereas with Royal, there was, I think, maybe just one, one. maybe two. So that was something that... We, we thought there was more activities to do during the day on the ship, but less entertainment 
an evening. We we did watch. There was a, a parade through the Royal Promenade one night. And that was that was pretty cool. There's even like a bridge that's higher up and drops down. So there's people on it that are dancing and, and that type of thing. So that that was cool. But but really, I there wasn't that much entertainment that we could see throughout the week. In full disclaimer, we aren't typically the ones that'll go to the stage shows. Although, as far as I knew, there may have been one, maybe two each night, but they were usually during the primary dinner time. So even if we were interested, I don't know that we would have made them. Mm-hmm. Did you guys go up to the gym or the fitness area at all? I'm just curious because when I was on the ship in 2010, I remember there being like a boxing ring up there. I was just curious if it was still up there. I don't believe I did see that. I was up there briefly the one day and I did some treadmill a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I don't know if I just missed it or if it's not there anymore, but I didn't see one. Yeah, I didn't see it either, although that would be pretty awesome to see. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, All right, well, let's talk about the sea days on this ship. So this was like, when this ship came out, it was like one of the biggest ships in the world. So how was the passenger flow as far as crowds and congestion when it came to sea days? I don't think you could say anything negative. I think it flowed really well. And because of the sheer size of the ship, different things are so spread out that everyone found their corner of the ship. A sunny day, everyone's likely to be up on on deck, sunning and all that. You did have chair hogs that we took notice to, but again, it's so big that there's somewhere for you to go. And I, I'm a person, I don't like crowds that much. Mm-hmm. So that never, that was never an issue for me. I, no matter where I went, I was fine. Nobody, there was no rushes. I mean, sometimes the elevators, especially on the starboard side of the ship, for some reason, always seemed to have a really long wait and started to grow a crowd, but whatever, you use the stairs and move on. We never, you know, if we went to the back of the ship, we never had problems getting chairs and, we almost always were at the flow rider watching people try that, which was you could watch people get better throughout the week and it was pretty interesting. Or um Ryan liked the the rock wall a lot, so he so he was back there doing that quite a bit. Yeah, I think me and the guys agreed that Royal offered us more as we we called it, dude activities during the day because on any cruise ship, ladies have it great. They have their sun loungers, and they're good for hours on end. Mm-hmm. But that's fun for like 15 minutes, but then we get kind of bored and start to wander. <laughs> and I think that having the rock wall and the flow rider and a few other things like the casino and stuff, it, it, we just felt like we, us as guys, we had more stuff to get into during the day. So we, we liked that a lot. I, I did all the four or five different rock wall paths, so that was fun. That was my favorite. With the rock wall and the flow rider, is it first come, first serve, or do you have to reserve those? No, I think for the most part, you can walk right up to each of them, Mm -hmm. and there might be a line of three people deep. And Sometimes the flow rider looked a little crowded, but for the most part, you were never going to wait longer than 10, 15 minutes for your turn on either of them. They had certain times that each were open, and they... With the flow rider, it was really nice because if you were just learning, they had lesson times for um, the the surfing, the standing surfing, and also kneeboarding. And then they had sort of open periods where you could go and do either. Oh, that's cool. And was there someone with you there like, I haven't done this in so long. I think it's been like four years since I've even tried the flow rider. 
there's like a guy in the water with you, right, to help you get up. Yeah, yeah. there's a guy holding your hand until you decide you don't need yeah. to have your hand held anymore. But okay. there's always someone there standing within two feet of you. So if if you lose your balance or whatever, yeah, you're always yeah. Let's talk. usually let you wipe out twice before they <laughs> make you get off the flow rider and have the next person oh, try yeah. their hand. Well, let's talk about the sea days you had on this seven-night Eastern itinerary. And uh, what we'll do here, just for time's sake, is go by each port you went on and give us a highlight from each port and then just move to the next one. So our first port was, I believe, St. Kitts. And that one, I think, was our favorite from this trip. We took a four-wheeling excursion. I have never been four-wheeling before, so it was a a little scary at first while I learned, but I really got into it and Ryan has done it before. So we, they basically took us up the mountain there in St. Kitts so that you could then overlook the port, great views. And it was really awesome. I would definitely recommend that to anyone who was interested in something that was a little adventurous, but nothing too crazy. So that was, that was pretty much our time in St. Kitts. And then in St. Martin, uh, we kind of, We've been there a couple of times, so we just rented jet skis and shot around the bay there where the cruise ships are and everything. So that wasn't a real big day for us. It was more low-key. We were there back in February, so there was still a lot of the hurricane damage left over that you could see. So the Islanders were still in mid-repair when we were there. But um, the thing, the takeaway from that day was just everyone we came across, they were just constantly telling us how grateful they were for all of us coming and our tourism dollars were helping keeping them going and how appreciative they were that we kept coming and all that. So it, it felt good. Even, even if you just got a burger walking up and down that boardwalk, tipped them an extra $5 or whatever, just they, everything mattered to them and they were very appreciative. So I, I had a good day there. And then we went to San Juan. We've been to San Juan. I think this would be our third time. So we generally walk around San Juan. Go. We went to um, El Mora, one of the forts, and did a little bit of shopping. Uh, just kind of took in the sights there. Again, Puerto Rico was also recovering, although we didn't in the town there in old San Juan. We really didn't see too much damage and and really I don't think they got hit as hard as some of the inland areas of of Puerto Rico but yeah we just had a a great day walking around there taking everything in and then our last port was Labadee and unfortunately we we got to the port we were, were ready to dock and the winds were really strong we were in San Juan and in Labadee so we never were able to actually dock there. And I know there was quite a few cruise ships right after that that were also not able to dock there. So that was a little bit of a bummer because you were there, you could see it, but we couldn't get off. But we ended up having a really nice extra sea day on the weather. The weather was good, except for just being a little bit windy. I didn't realize how close San Juan and Labadee were. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really not too far at all. And we're going on a cruise in February or we're going to be stopping at Labadee. So hopefully we'll get to see it and experience it a little bit more the next time. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was your debark process? Because you said your embark was awesome. Debark was just about as simple as embarkation. We, yeah, they give you the zones. We always do self-assist. So we got up, I think we were probably off the ship by 7am, which was great because we had a 18 hour drive home. 
So do y'all have any first-time tips to offer anyone sailing freedom of the seas? One thing that we didn't experience until our very last sea day that I would recommend is we've never been main dining room lunch people, but we did go to the main dining room lunch on the last day and it was amazing. They had a great menu. They had a huge buffet set up like this huge ice and herb and lemon bowl of shrimp, all sorts of cheeses and and salads and whatnot. So that would be something that if you've never tried that on Royal Caribbean, definitely do so. First time with Royal and what I learned was with them, it really pays to pre-plan a lot of the stuff. They do a lot of sales before you get on board, usually like the last three months before your cruise. They There's always a sale on either excursions or onboard stuff, uh, internet packages, dining packages, drink packages. They just, they make it so that by the time you do board, there's almost no planning or even having to think about what you're doing left, which was different from us because usually, I mean, you can book excursions with Carnival ahead of time, but that's usually about all you can pre-plan with them. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to have a chance to dig in and be like, well, do I want this? Do I want that? Do I want to see this? and get your packages out of the way. So then you've, you've spread out your vacation spend across the year rather than that one week where you spend a huge amount of money and then you come home and start looking at receipts and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? I want to go back to the actual cruise itself for a moment here and uh, ask you two things. Uh, the first one is, was smoke an issue coming out of the casino at all? No. In fact, me and the guys are kind of regulars there at least every day we went down for an hour or two mm -hmm. at various times and i've heard you ask this a lot in recent episodes and to be honest i think they do they have a pretty good ventilation system because it doesn't seem to emanate up they had two stairwells that led from the casino directly up into the royal promenade you never if you were walking past that stairwell in the promenade you never smelled anything Pretty much as soon as you exit the casino at either end, because it's right centrally located in the ship, you don't smell anything. So I think it had a really good airflow system installed. I can't say as much for the cigar bar. Um, you could definitely smell that when it when you got within 10 feet of the door. And we went in just to tour it, and we left within 20 seconds because we could barely breathe. Hmm. The second question I had here is, uh, how was the cruise director? We really didn't see much of the cruise director. He was part of the parade that I had mentioned earlier, uh, doing some dancing and, and that type of thing. But honestly, we're used to a cruise director on Carnival being a little bit more part of the action, um, especially, you know, cruise directors like Dr. E. He's mm -hmm. always part of everything. Whereas, you know, in Royal, and I don't know if that's just this particular cruise director or if it's Royal in general, but but we really didn't see or hear from him nearly as much. Well, I guess in closing here, we'll do final thoughts of the ship, and we'll start with you, Ryan. Freedom of the Seas was a fantastic ship. I will definitely cruise her again in the future. I really enjoyed my first Royal Caribbean experience. We did spend a lot of the week comparing to Carnival, uh, but at the end of the week, I think we decided that you know one got a point here, the other got the other point. So at the end of the week, they, they're kind of, they're not, more different than they are the same. So to anybody who wants to be loyal, you don't have to because you're going to get a great product with either one of them. Mm -hmm. But 
I am excited to continue exploring with Royal Caribbean. We're going, we're, we're booked on the Harmony in a couple of months, so we're looking forward to that. I'm very glad we broke with tradition and tried a new one, but we also really still appreciate Carnival as well. Right. I, I agree. It was a great ship. And, and despite it being a larger ship than we've been on before, you really didn't notice it. And, you know, with lots of activities, there's definitely something for everybody on the ship and, and the food's great too. Lots of different dining options. That's always fun to explore, especially for a foodie like me. We've been talking with Ryan and Lauren about their seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Doug. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.